Welcome in to the Stampede. My name is Ryan Jones, along with my colleagues, Nick Romero and Ashton Yanez. How are you guys doing today, guys? I'm great. doing great. Awesome. Well, it is draft week, and we are very happy to announce that we have our My Guys. Each of us have come together, gotten five My Guys. It's basically Christmas nowadays. The draft season is my absolute favorite time of year. I don't know about you guys, but it gives so much hope to terrible teams like mine. So <laughs> we're going to jump that. right into our My Guys. So what we're going to be doing is each of us have five My Guys. And we are going to be listing off the most important key factors of their game, what school they came from, any key measurements that we found were important to the player, um, and a player comp, which I think is the most important thing, what your team can expect when you draft these players. What player do we think is a good comparison for them? Obviously, we're going to be wrong in some areas, and hopefully we're right in a lot more areas than we're wrong. So let's jump right in. Kind of be kind of going by position by position. Each of us, we're gonna, you know, it's gonna be bouncing all over the place. But nonetheless, let's get started with my first, my guy, Mr. Justin Fields, the Ohio State quarterback, projected to go somewhere in the top 10. Uh, important measurements I found 444, 40 yard dash uh, at 6'3, 227. You know, when you think of Justin Fields, a lot of people think that he is this undersized quarterback and when you actually look at the measurements that's not the case he has ideal size and speed 6'3 227 it's ideal uh some important things about Justin Fields he's the most accurate quarterback in college football since the year 2018 he is the best quarterback according to PFF off of his first read meaning off of script off script basically which is a lot it's a big indicator of how successful you will be in the NFL. He is better than Trevor Lawrence at this. He's better than Mac Jones, Trey Lance, all the other Zach Wilson, all the other quarterbacks in this class. He is the best off of their first read. He also, then also, there's this narrative going around that Justin Fields isn't a smart quarterback for some reason, and he struggles to read defenses. I'll give you exhibit A. He's the best quarterback in college football off his first read. And exhibit B, he had multiple offers to Ivy League schools to play football. You have to be smart to get into an Ivy League school. I don't know if you guys know uh, how that works. My player comp for Justin Fields is Deshaun Watson. And I really struggled with this comp because I just couldn't seem to find the right player. I, at first I had Russell Wilson. I had Michael Vick at one point, you know, a right-handed Michael Vick. And I finally settled on Deshaun Watson because the size comparison, he's more, he's more similar to Deshaun than Russell Wilson in that aspect, but the arm talent, I think is very Russell Wilson-esque. Justin Fields is my quarterback number one in this class. I have no idea why he's sliding. I know that may be a little controversial to say he's my quarterback number one, but he does everything that Trevor Lawrence can do, and he runs a 4-4, meaning he's faster, so he has better scramble ability. Justin Fields is my quarterback number one. You guys could tear me apart for it right now. Go for it. <laughs> So what, the, the only thing I want to add is Justin Fields does not throw, like, dink and dump passes either. Like, he's the most accurate quarterback, and he actually throws the ball downfield. So, and we've seen from college quarterbacks, when you could throw the ball deep and you could throw it on the money, that translates really, really well. So I just wanted to um, uh, 
add that. Yeah, I, I really like the Justin Fields being compared to Sean Watson. I think they both pretty much played in similar pro programs, Ohio State and Clemson. In fact, they've basically been rivals in the semifinals for quite a few years. So it, it just makes sense. This is a guy who really has worked with great coaches, Urban Meyer, Ryan Day, his last three, four years. And uh, I, I really think he'll do well in the NFL under the right coaching staff. I think this guy does have a high ceiling. Uh, I would love, absolute love, if my Denver Broncos uh, pulled the trigger at number nine overall <laughs> or traded up for this guy. Um, so that would be my ideal uh, team fit. Um, him going in there with Jerry Judy, uh, Cortland Sutton in a run game led by Melvin Gordon on the offensive line. You got Garrett Bowles. And with the, what I imagine will be a top 10 defense that Vic Fangio runs, I, I think Justin Fields would be an immediate, immediate upgrade over Drew Locke. So uh, let's move on to Ashton's, one of Ashton's, my guys, quarterback Trey Lance out of NDSU. Yeah, so I chose Trey Lance, and uh, even though he's already considered one of the top players in this draft, he still looked in some ways as the underdog. You know, he played at North Dakota State. All his starts are at the FCS level, which for those who don't know, it is the championship subdivision of the NCAA Division I football. Uh, but he has all the same tangibles as Justin Fields. Um, the reason why we don't see as much highlights as we see from Justin Fields is that uh, the, he's part of a more controlled team. It, 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 everything really works reading wise. Like he doesn't have to go through as much progressions as Justin Fields and other quarterbacks. He can easily read the defense and say, okay, this running back's going to do this. This wide receiver's going to do this. I just got to pick one before the snap's even made. He's really one of those talented guys who has a lot of leadership skills already, super young, 19 years old. So as soon as he enters his league, he already has 12, at least 12 years to be an NFL veteran. Um, but yeah, he's, he's really just a dominant player, a top five in completion percentage in the FCS level, top two in yards per attempt in the FCS level, and he was top 10 in yards per carry. So he's really a guy that can do it all. And my player uh, comparison to him was – Patrick Mahomes, and I mean this more of a structured way. Um, and it's hard to see that because, you know, when Patrick Mahomes was playing at Texas Tech, we saw a lot of crazy plays that he was making because he was part of that air raid offense in the Big 12. Where straight Lance is more controlled. We didn't have to see him extend plays as much. You know, everything was kind of his will when it comes to play outcome. But he really, to me, has the same tangible. He can run th with the ball. He can throw the ball. Um, I think he can extend plays if he has to. And I really think under the right team, his ceiling is just as high as these other star quarterbacks that we're seeing in the NFL. Yeah, 100% agree with you. His ceiling, you know, you hear the word potential and ceiling thrown around a lot. He does have the highest ceiling and the most potential out of any quarterback in this draft just because of the measurables. You know, he's 6'4", 224, like you mentioned. He has a cannon for an arm, struggles with accuracy sometimes, but I think those things can be cleaned up. My comp for him is actually Josh Allen, who, you know, coming into the NFL did struggle with accuracy. He got into the right system. If Trey Lance could go to, you know, number three overall to the 49ers, then, which I think the three of us would imagine is a fair possibility. The report's coming out, Mac Jones, Trey Lance. And I know all three of us would take Trey Lance over Mac Jones. Um, he goes to a structured environment like the San Francisco 49ers. This kid's going to be a Hall of Famer. And I don't say that lightly. You get the best coach in the NFL and Kyle Shanahan. So, yeah, I, I mean, I really think if he goes number three, at least by his second year, he's already like a star. I mean, that's that system, top five defense, the weapons are good, 
the best tight end, if not the second best tight end in the league. I mean, he has one of the best lines in the league. And it's just, just when I, when you watch him play, you could just see he's just such a raw talent. Like it's going to take a Kyle Shanahan to really pull it out of him, but he is a superstar. He is an all pro and he could lead your team to like, you know, um, uh, win it all. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to one of Nick's my guys, Elijah Moore. Yes, and he is a he is a wide receiver out of Old Miss. Uh, projected to go about round one, round two. I think he might go round one, late round one. I like him to the Saints actually. Um, he's a smaller receiver, five ten, but four three two speed. I mean, you just can't teach that. And with his speed, he's not just a guy that's just going to run straight down the field. His route running is, is great, and he can only get better. Um, he's had, he has no injury history, which is great. I mean, he, he's very durable for 5'10", 185 pounds, and he does not drop the ball. I saw a stat, I think it was like the last two years, he has like 30 red zone targets, and he has zero drops. So he's very reliable. Um, um, and my player comp is Tyler Lockett. And it's really just because when I watched his highlights, he, he just finds the holes in the zone. And he was always open for his um, uh, quarterback, if his quarterback scrambled. Like, if he needed a safety blanket, Elijah Moore was that guy. And in the um, uh, red zone, Tyler Lockett doesn't drop very many balls, as you guys know. And Elijah Moore, I just think if you draft him, that's the kind of player that you will eventually get. I agree with everything you said, Nick. I actually have the same exact player comp for him. I have Tyler Lockett as my comp for Elijah Moore. Um, I think he should be taken in the first round. Now, whether or not he is kind of just depends on uh, how the team is prioritized in the draft. And, you know, it is a very good wide receiver class. So teams could wait on wide receiver until round two. And that could hurt in his draft, you know, projection a little bit. But I think he should go in the first round. He's is not really talked about as one of the top receivers in this draft, but he runs a four, three, two, and he doesn't drop the football. And he has, he's great. Uh, he's a great route runner, which more and more teams are kind of prioritizing over the jump ball receiver. So I think he should be a first round talent. I love Elijah Moore. Um, he would have been one of my guys had you not taken him. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I like Elijah Moore as well. And I really think the player comp is spot on. He is one of those guys where, as you said, with Tyler Lockett, both you and Ryan, that uh, he doesn't have to use his speed necessarily just to be a person one-on-one in man. He can use his speed to find holes and get to those holes in zone coverages before the safeties and linebackers even realize there is holes. So he, he is one of those guys who, again, doesn't drop the ball, great route running. He's going to get to the holes of the defense before the defense even realizes where their holes are and just be that good go-to receiver across the middle. If Green Bay decides to draft a receiver, he might be there at 29. And you got you got to get Aaron Rodgers some help, right? So, oh yeah. And the this Saints and Packers actually, yeah, the Saints and Packers around that time. So, mm -hmm. the Saints actually picked before the Packers. It, it would be a shame that they're you know targeting Elijah Moore and he gets picked like one or two picks before. Man, that would, who, poor Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's move on to one of my my guys. I think he's the next one. Actually, Devontae Smith is the next one. So I'll let Ashton uh, take his man, Devontae Smith. 
yeah, this is my guy, and uh, it, we can't not bring him up if we're going to be talking about, you know, players looking forward to in this draft. You know, he's not only a one of the top wide receivers in this draft, but he's the first wide receiver to win the Heisman since 1991, since Desmond Howard did at the University of Michigan. Um, he, he's relatively small. He's six foot, but he's only 170 pounds. So he's a really lightweight guy, but he's also, that allows him to be really fast. Um, he led uh, the FBS level in division one in receiving touchdowns this year with 23. And he's just all around explosive. Um, at first, my player comparison was basically every other Alabama wide receiver with the exception of Julio Jones and Amari Cooper, just because he's a little bit smaller than them. And he's more of just across the, across the middle type of guy. He can get the jump ball stuff done because he has a great vertical, but, uh, but then I decided to change it over to Taylon Austin. He really reminds me of Taylon Austin back in West Virginia, how he just got through everywhere in the defense and created separation, whether it was man or zone, because he was so explosive. And uh, even though he's probably not as fast as Taylon Austin, it, it's darn near similar. And I really think he brings that type of skill set to the table to any team that he'll get drafted by. He is a very interesting prospect. The reason I, we are doing the projections of where they're projected drafted, he, he's starting to slip a little bit uh, as far as, you know, the media, as, you know, the NFL media and the NFL draft media are concerned. I think he's going to slip a little bit because of the weight. You know, we heard he weighed in around 165. His playing weight is about 175, though, so I don't think it's something to be concerned about. Um, the main issue that people have with Devontae Smith is that he's – could struggle in press coverage at the higher level. My answer to that is, did he struggle about that in college? Because he went up against J.C. Horn, and he dominated J.C. Horn, who most people think is either the best or second-best corner in this draft. So he was battle-tested every single week. When Jalen Waddle went down, he got double-teamed, and he took advantage of it. I like the comp for Tavon Austin. He's basically what everyone hoped Tavon Austin would be in the NFL. My comp is actually Stephon Diggs. Um Great route runner, great hands, and explosive as a runner, like you said. Um, I'm not part of the Devontae Smith can't play football because he's 170 uh, pounds. I'm not part of that crew. I love Devontae Smith. Yeah, and I think people are worried about the wrong thing. He's probably honestly going to get to like 180, 185, probably maybe by his second year. He's going to gain muscle. I mean – the strength and um, uh, con and uh, conditioning coaches, they're, they're going to put in work. And when you just watch Devontae Smith play, like it was, he was just open all the time. It, he, or you would throw a screen pass and he would go for 20 yards. I mean, this guy just, he's just explosive. And the, um, uh, the um, uh, Tavon Austin comp, I really, really like it because Tavon Austin in college was, I mean, everyone's watched his highlights tape. I mean, everyone oh, yeah. knows how like, oh, there's, there's, explosive there's he There's nothing was. as unique as the only one video of Tavon Austin's senior highlights. But yeah. I will say just built-wise, I, I think Devontae Smith is in a similar form. His highlights obviously weren't as ridiculous, you know, in terms of the jukes and all that stuff. But any time that there was a hole in the defense or any time that he was lined up against a corner, and as Ryan said, even like guys like J.C. Horn, he found a way to get open regardless. I mean, he is just that athletic and talented. I could I could argue that Devontae Smith's senior tape is it's a it's up there. I mean, it's, if yeah, you really, really it's, watch it. So it's similar. I think it'll it he'll and if he I mean press coverage, they're gonna teach him how to how to like, you know, um uh, release. I mean, he's too quick. 
So even if you try to press him, he's probably just going to go right around you. He's going to do a little juke move, like a little, you know, juke move. I mean, I don't think you have to really worry about that. And being six foot, he's actually, he's actually kind of tall. Like right. a lot of these guys coming out are like five, nine, five, 10, five, five, eight being six foot, you know, and his wingspan is actually pretty big, you know, so I, he could be a jump ball receiver too. Let's move on to one of my guys, Mr. Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver coming out of Minnesota projected to go in the round one to round two. I don't think there's been a mock draft that the three of us have done where he has gone in round two. Um, important measurements to know. He has a 36-inch vertical, which means he can win the jump ball, and he ran a 4.39 40-yard dash. So he is a physical freak. Uh, he has elite speed, elite hands, and he's an elite route runner. I have zero questions about his game. My player comp for Rashad Bateman is Michael Thomas, and I also have Justin Jefferson listed, but not for the way they play, just because Right now, Bateman's being viewed as like the fourth or fifth best wide receiver in the class. And that was the same case that Devontae, that, uh, not Devontae, that Justin Jefferson had last year. And, but I think Rashad Bateman could come into a, a borderline playoff team like a Minnesota and have the same type of impact and be on the rookie of the year ballot. I just think that when he comes in, if he gets drafted like a Tennessee to a Green Bay, he can come in and have a very, very similar rookie impact that Justin Jefferson did. Um, right now, Rashad Bateman is my wide receiver number two, uh, just behind Jamar Chase. And I know that's going to seem crazy to some people, but I, I have zero questions that Rashad Bateman will be successful at the NFL level. Yeah, I mean, and really, I think he's going to get drafted in the late 20s or mid to late, you know, 20s. And those teams are, you, are, you know, playoff teams. That's where Green Bay's at. That's where the Saints are, you know, are at. So he's probably going to come in and there's already going to be an um, established wide receiver one. So he might not even see double teams. He might be one-on-one all game long. You know, that's how um, uh, Justin Jefferson was. I mean, Adam Thielen was the guy getting doubled and Justin Jefferson was running free. And I think he could go into, you know, Green Bay and, you know, Devontae Adams is going to get double team. So if he goes to a team and has the wide receiver one right away, it could you know, I'm not saying he can't do it, but that could hurt his, you know, his stock a little bit. But if he can go in and be wide receiver two, I think he could go and blow up, have like a thousand yard year, like easily. Yeah, I, I really like this Rashawn Bateman wide receiver. And, and there's two types of receivers that really enter the NFL. There's the ones that are just a threat no matter what. And then there's the ones that complement and basically allow both yourself and your teammates to become threats in the open field. And I really think Rashad Bateman, as we talked about, you know, where he'll probably get projected in the first round, he will be one of those guys. If he does land in Green Bay, he's going to compliment Devontae Adams, who's already a threat. And, you know, again, Rashad Bateman, he's not necessarily one of those guys that you see get double teamed a lot, even at college. But if he goes up into the pros, you know, he's going to make sure that Devontae Adams doesn't get double covered anymore. So that really allows defenses to be more honest. It really makes guys like Aaron Rodgers' life a whole lot easier to make his decisions. Really makes it easier for guys like Devontae Adams, who's already primary receiver one, to find his way to get open, especially with great footwork. And uh, Rashad Bateman, he's really just a solid number two receiver that um, should be drafted pretty high in this draft. One last thing on Rashad Bateman. Um, 
you know, you mentioned the thing about there's two types of receivers. I actually kind of want to piggy off, piggyback off that. A lot of times you see either the speed threat or the jump ball guy. Those are the two main type of receivers you see. Uh, the speedy deep threat that gets open and route running, and then the jump ball guy that outmuscles you for a lot of touchdowns. He's both. He's 6'1", uh, 190, which means he has the height and the strength to be a jump ball receiver. And he also runs a 439 and has elite route running. So he could be one of the top 10 receivers in the NFL by year two. I truly believe that if he goes into the right situation. Um, if he gets drafted to like a Tennessee and he's there with A.J. Brown, I mean, I don't know who the wide receiver one is at that point. That might be controversial, well, he'll, he'll, but he'll be the number one. He'll be the number one then, in, in my opinion. And again, it sometimes those two type of receivers, it's not necessarily based on your skill set, but also based on the team you're on. You know, if he's on Green Bay, he becomes that complimentary receiver. But if, if he does go to Tennessee, as you said, Ryan, he would definitely be the receiver. I don't know, man. We'll see. We'll have to see where he ends up drafting. Hopefully he goes to a good spot with a good quarterback. Uh, let's move on to our next wide receiver. Probably a little bit unknown <laughs> to some fans out there. But, Nick, I'll let you take it away. So, you know, before probably like a month ago, I didn't even know who this guy was at all. But I started to do, you know, research about other people, like, you know, who were their guys and stuff. Because, you know, I wanted to see. And this guy's name came up a lot, actually. And I started to, like, watch his film. And, oh, my God, this guy is – he's from North Texas, a small school. He's projected around three to five. Could be lower, too. You know, it kind of depends because, you know, he's he only He really five could nine. go undrafted. Yeah, like, you, he's just one of these guys that – if a team really loves him, they're going to draft him probably three to four to five. If no one likes him, you know, he's not going to get drafted or draft seven. Because being so small, you would imagine he would have a faster 40 time. But he only ran a 4.46, which still – I can't run a 4.46. But, you know, to to being 5'9", 175 pounds, you, he probably should have been in the four threes. Um, when I watch his tape, his feet are just – they're elite his feet his feet speed just change of um direction side to side is just crazy in the last two seasons he had 31 touchdowns so you know that the like um uh, productions there he actually had 19 this last year and I think they only play like nine games you know his wow. productions there and his hands his hands are inconsistent I mean he's not going to win the jump ball He's not going to win the 50-50 balls, which that some people look for, but he's only 5'9". But he's going to be one of those guys that gets open a lot. Like, he's going to be – he. I think that the, you know, next level, he's going to be one of those guys that's open, like, all the time. If you really watch film, he's going to be, like, open all the time. In my player comp, I put Tyreek Hill. I'm not saying draft him number one overall because he's going to be Tyreek Hill. But if you watch Tyreek Hill play, when Tyreek Hill gets the ball – he likes to go side to side and he's very shifty and he's very fast and he could juke you out. And that's the type of player that, you know, he could be. And I would love if Seattle drafted him in like the fifth round. I think he will be, I think he will be a great slot receiver for anyone. You know, he's, he's, he's good. You should watch the tape. <laughs> I I'm a big fan of Jalen Darden for many reasons. And, the fact that he has the production he does at the height he does is very um, 
is very motivating for someone of short stature such as myself. <laughs> but um, you know, my comp, I know we keep bringing up Tavon Austin. My comp for him is Tavon Austin, but oh, but better. He doesn't have the he didn't have the height. He doesn't have the hype that Tavon Austin does coming did coming out. But he's a better player than Tavon Austin. He just didn't play at a big program. I mean, it's North Texas, right? Um, if someone takes a shot on this guy in the third, three to fifth round, sixth, seventh round, whatever it is, and use him properly as like a gadget player, screens, end arounds, he will produce for you. Just take the chance, guys. I, I Jalen Darden is again another one of those guys that would had potential to be on my my guys list. Nick took him though, so. Well, and, you know, we're, we're seeing in the NFL how teams are really starting to appreciate these speedy receivers more. You know, when the Rams drafted Tavon Austin, it was really a, a hit or miss type of thing depending on their scheme. But now we're seeing a lot of, you know, teams, especially like the Buffalo Bills, that aren't afraid to use that third wide receiver, that fourth wide receiver who's five foot nine but can still run a 4-4-40 because, you know, that's the guy that they're going to least suspect going vertical while you still have to cover guys like Stephon Diggs who are running any route that they want. So I really think this is a sleeper pick. I really think anyone that gets him in rounds three through five will probably be happy with it, assuming that they run the right offense and the right special teams with them. But he does seem like a, a solid player all around. I'd be really excited to see him play in the NFL. Yeah, another thing I want to add is he brings a lot in the kick return and the punt return game. So he could be a guy that comes in and he might actually just be the kick and punt you know, returner to start, but I think eventually he will be wide receiver three at some teams. And if Tavon Austin would have came in for the Rams now with Sean McVay, mm-hmm. we might be talking about him a little bit, a little bit different. Yeah. And that's what, and that's kind of how I see Jalen Darden is like if he could come into a Sean McVay system, like a system where they where they use a lot of motion, a lot of jet sweeps, he could have a lot of production. I I was literally gonna say if. Tavon Austin, the unfortunate thing about him, about him is he came into, like, I think it was the Jeff Fisher era of the yeah, L.A. Rams yeah. or St. Louis Rams. It, yeah. If he came into a, the right situation, Austin, Tavon Austin would have lasted in the NFL. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the running back portion of this. Ashton, sticking with the big names, Najee Harris, <laughs> who we all know and love, the Alabama running back. Might be the only running back to go in round one. <laughs> well, he's just that good, Ryan. And I know we've talked about, you know, for many months that we've argued about how important is the running back position in the NFL, especially now that the league itself has become more of a passing league. Uh, you know, we usually, uh, when we think of running backs, we think of guys that are solely good at just uh, catching the ball or just shifty enough to get past linebackers on something like the zone blocking scheme. Najee Ayers can do it all. He's really one of those uh, you know, next generation pro running backs that are just going to be able to do everything for you offensively. And we saw that how he was basically the workhorse for the Alabama this offseason. Uh, I don't think Matt Jones' career would have been as good, you know, especially just this past season, had he not had Najee Harris in the backfield. But he's, he's again, just a solid player. I, I think he can be a first-round pick. I, I, I There were certain mock drafts I created where he did fall to two. But more than likely, I think one of these championship contender teams that have been lacking a little bit in the run game, they would happily take advantage of drafting Najee Harris the first round. But he's six foot one, 232 pounds. He has the weight and size to be a power back on those needed third down and shorts, especially at the goal line. Uh, he led the country in touchdowns, 30 total touchdowns, 26 rushing, four receiving. Again, this guy can do it all. 
Um, he's a threat in both run and pass. I mean, I'm still mesmerized by his hurdle uh, against in the semifinals game. I, this guy is just a stud. And again, athletic for his size. My player uh, comparison with this guy is uh, Saquon Barkley. Saquon was, again, one of those guys that just did it all at Penn State and really helped them be a contender uh, when they were playing Ohio State and going back and forth with them and, you know, making the Big Ten a lot more valuable because of guys like Saquon Barkley. And I, I think that's what Najee Harris is going to bring to the table for any team. And uh, I think any team in the first round, especially those that are late and just trying to get their run game going, uh, they're going to be more than lucky to have. I got a, I got two different player comps for Najee Harris. Um, I, Saquon Barkley, that that's very high praise. I don't I don't view him as that tier of running back, but I can understand why you would say he's very comparable to Saquon Barkley. I'm gonna throw two names at you, and I want you to let me know if you like those comps. Um, the first one is David Johnson. But I'm not talking mm-hmm. about now, David Johnson. I'm talking about Prime right. David Johnson. Yeah, a guy I assume who. That comes in does it both in the receiving and pa- and running game when david johnson was actually a a good running back in his prime he's one of the best running backs in the nfl uh the other one's todd Gurley, and i obviously mean previous todd right. Gurley. yeah if Najee harris goes to one of these zone shanahan schemes these wide zone runs he, he will be an elite running back in the in the nfl um Todd Gurley, I, you know, he was on, he, I don't, did he win the MVP? He was on the MVP list, but um, pre-injury, he was unbelievable. And I think that Najee Harris could have a similar career uh, to Todd Gurley, just as long as he doesn't, you know, have the injuries that both of these players had. Yeah, I, I, I relatively like those comparisons. Uh, I, I like the Todd Gurley one a little bit more, just because Todd Gurley reminds me more of that, uh, of that, older not necessarily older school but definitely like a decade version he, he's of definitely back. a better running running back than david johnson is right because i think yeah. Najee harris he's definitely a solid running running back but again he's just that versatile to me and that's why i compared him to saquon barkley yeah i actually have i was trying to come up with someone because of the way he's Najee harris it's kind of seen as a bigger back but also catching the ball and the guy that i came up with no bias was Chris Carson. <laughs> uh, when I watched Chris I Carson play, I you know I think Najee Harris is faster. I think he could hit the you know you know home run ball like than Chris Carson. But when you watch Chris Carson play, he plays with a lot of heart, with a lot of grit. Like he's gonna ground and pound, and he catches like fifty balls a year. So in the past game, he's you know there too. So. That's kind of where I, you know, I see him as like a Chris Carson type of running back. A lot of different ways that, you know, Najee Harris can go. And I know that we mock him to the Steelers a lot in the first round, pick 24, because they don't have a lot of pressing needs. Um, other teams, I mean, if San Francisco could get their hands on this guy in the second round, whew, I, don't even, I don't even know if they have a second round pick now, but um, if – any team that runs the wide zone uh, Shanahan rushing attack could get, get their hands on Najee Harris. I mean, I would, I would be comfortable calling him the best running back in the NFL before he even steps on the NFL football field. Uh, because if you could get him in that system, whew, it, it would be good luck planning for defenses. Good luck planning <laughs> for it. Cause man. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the next running back. 
slash wide receiver uh, that I have. Um, one of my guys, Demetrik Felton, who is a running back or a wide receiver, depending on who you ask, out of UCLA, uh, projected to go in the fifth to seventh round. He could end up being undrafted because of the 40 time that you see on the screen. A lot of people didn't like the 4-5-5-40 time, especially since he's only 189 pounds. But I think that his play speed is faster than 4-5. I think he's more of a 4-4, a high 4-4 guy. Um, And like I said, he had an underwhelming pro day, but that's why he's one of my guys, because throughout the Stroff process, he hasn't tested the best, but in college, he just produced, man. He is an elite route runner for a running back. And that's where I would play him personally. You could make the argument that he could play wide receiver. I would ra- like to keep him running back and have him play an, an Antonio Gibson role where Antonio Gibson had the same situation. He's wide receiver in college, comes in, plays running backs. And as we saw last year, Antonio Gibson's one of the elite running backs in the NFL, um, at least receiving the ball. And he did all that behind a terrible offensive line. So, and obviously he did run routes in the senior bowl as a wide receiver and he dominated the cornerback. So a lot of different ways you could use this player. He's one of those gadget players. Uh, my comp is Antonio Gibson. I, I just think that in the late rounds, you want to take a chance on a running back flyer, take the chance on Demetra Felton. He will produce for you. He was an absolute stud at UCLA. Not the greatest measurables, but I just I really like these hybrid players that can play multiple positions. I think that they're the they're kind of the way that the NFL is transitioning to nowadays. So yeah, I when I like when you you're um a um a player comp, I would actually go with the running back that was with Antonio Gibson and do JD um McKissick mm-hmm. only for the receiving aspect. Like he's a little quicker. And I could actually see Felton being like going into a system that has like a bigger back that's not a, you know, receiving back, but playing beside him where they do two running back sets, like, and he's the, you know, receiving, he, he could play slot. He could bring special teams. Like I can see this guy getting drafted only because he's going to bring special teams. He's probably will be like a third down back, potentially a slot receiver. You know, he, he just gives a team, you know, instead of having 53 players, you know, you might have 56 just because he could play three or four different spots. And I really like that. And, you know, this is not the first time we, we've, we, we've seen athletes of this, of this structure end up actually doing well, despite of where they've been drafted. I really think Felton does have a high ceiling, assuming he does go into the right system. I think Green Bay is a good example, the way that they use their running backs all the time. Sometimes we see Aaron Jones out there, a wide receiver on either screens, or he'll even run around every now and then. Uh, he, I think Demetric can fit into a system like that. Uh, other teams as well, New England, they're really good at using their running backs in m- many ways, so he would be helpful there as well, though I don't think they'll get him. Um, but he's a really just special guy, and I think any team would be lucky to have him. Um, especially if they can get them really low in the draft to where it doesn't cost them any capital to really get them. So, you know, when you said that, Nick, about him going to a place with a power back where he can kind of be that off-speed pitch, you throw him in there, he's a little more speedier. I think the perfect place for him to play would be the Tennessee Titans and back up Derrick Henry. You have the yeah probably one of the best power backs of all time on your roster. 
And then you throw in Demetric Felton into this offense where he could play in the slot. He can play on the outside because he has the speed, the game speed, not the 40 speed, obviously. He has the game speed to do it. And he could play uh, in the backfield as somewhat of an off-speed pitch because – and he could also spell um, Derrick Henry because as we see come playoff time the last few years, Derrick Henry hasn't had the same impact. If you can get another running back in there in Tennessee – you could save some of the carries that you need later on in the year. Um, so Henry's more effective in the playoffs. And maybe if you're Tennessee, you can make a Super Bowl run. Um, it's crazy that we're talking about a fifth to seventh round pick having that kind of impact. But the, he was such a huge impact at UCLA. I think he could have similar impact in the NFL. Right. Let's go ahead and move to one of Ashton's, my guys, Penesul. Uh, the offensive tackle out of Oregon. Yeah, I had to talk about an offensive lineman eventually. And and who, who better else than uh, Penesa Well, man? This guy is just a solid, uh, you know, one in a million type of talent in the offensive line. He was so dominant since day one uh, as a student at the University of Oregon. Um, he's definitely projected top 15. Uh, safe to say he's projected top 10, if not top eight. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of teams that would definitely like to have him in regards to protection especially those teams that just drafted young quarterbacks last year. Um, six foot five, 331 pounds. Um, you know, he's big, but he's not too big to the point where he's slow. I mean, he does have some speed that complements his size as well. Um, unanimous All-American as a sophomore. And again, he was the – another thing that I want to add, he is the first player to enter Oregon and be the starter as a true freshman on opening day in 20 years. So he was already just that type of talent entering a solid Division One program like Oregon. And he came out on top, basically ending his sophomore season before he opted out of his junior year as the best offensive lineman in the country. He got every award and then some. Um, and he comes from a really solid football family. Uh, he had two uncles that played the NFL. He's got two brothers that are uh, playing in high school. He's got one that's playing in college. Actually, no, I take that back. He has one playing in college in Nevada, another one playing in Utah, and I think he has one playing at Oregon and he's got one playing play linebacker. Yeah. So he's got, he comes from a solid football family and this is a guy who really loves football. He's really good at it. He's dominant. He knows how to use his size and speed as an offensive tackle. And I think again, there's the teams that are up there in like the top five, top eight, who just drafted a young quarterback last year. They're going to want him to protect their franchise quarterback down the road. And uh, real quick player comparison Quentin Nelson. He has the same size and weight, and he has similar highlights in Oregon that Quentin Nelson did as a Notre Dame guard. Yeah, and I think he could have similar impact that Quentin Nelson had. I know that they play different positions, you know, but they come in immediately, and Panay Sewell could be one of, one of, if not the best tackle in football, just like Quentin Nelson did when he came out of Notre Dame and went to the Colts. I think that we all, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I think Quentin Nelson's the best lineman in the NFL, period. My comp for Penesul, it's really hard to give um, offensive line comps. I really like Ronnie Stanley as a comp for him. Um, about the same size, weight, same weight. Um, it just, it, I don't under, I don't get the questions with him. People say that, you know, it's Rashawn Slater, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker. Like, this guy's the best tackle in the class. You don't get this – it's such a rare to have this size, the strength, the speed, the feet, just everything about Penesul 
screams future Hall of Famer. Uh, I would be elated if any team in the top 10 took him. Yeah, and just looking at the picture, he's 331 pounds, and do you see any fat on his body? No. Like, he is lean, he's quick, and as a tackle, I mean, you're seeing a lot more teams using tackles as, like, they're, you know, pulling. You see Trent Williams with the, you know, Niners, he's pulling all the time. So I could see him being a dom. He's gonna be dominant in the in the um uh, you know run game and in the um uh, pass game. And I've actually seen that he's working out to be right tackle too because he knows that he potentially could get drafted by a team that already has either an older veteran left tackle that is still playing at a very high level. So they're gonna have to put him at right tackle. So that just shows that he is very versatile. And I honestly think he could play probably every every position on the line if he really had to I mean I don't see the questions I believe he should go to the Bengals I think but we'll see how that happens but I would be shocked if he slides out of the top 10 uh one another you know you mentioned him playing right tackle I think you know I think that there's a good chance he goes to the Miami Dolphins at six and he would literally be to his blind side if he played right tackle because to his left handed, yeah. right? So yeah. I think that he is also the reason he's playing, he's practicing right tackle is because he knows there's a really good chance that he's not sliding past six. He's either going five or six to protect Joe Burrow or protect Tua. Uh, that's the bottom line. So, all right, let's go ahead and move on to Nick's offensive tackle, Walker Little. Okay, so. I chose Walker Little. He is a offensive tackle out of Stanford, and his projection is kind of all over the place right now. I mean, I could see him going first round. He could go second, third. He could even go later than third. And the only reason for that is because he hasn't been on the field in two years. Um, he played one game in 2019, and then he got hurt, and he opted out of la- of last year. So. He hasn't seen the football field since 2019, and that could scare a lot of teams off. But when you watch him play, he is so light on his feet, especially for being 6'7". Like, that's that's tall. That's big. And the reason I didn't put his 40 time on there is because I don't think 40 time for a lineman is important. I I really don't. I put his 20-yard shuttle time because, you know, that's them, you know, shuffling back and forth, back and forth. And actually, his shuttle time, I looked it up, is faster than, like, the average for offensive tackles coming out. So that just shows how light he is on um, his feet at being 6'7", 313. So he's very lean. Um, it's just he hasn't played in two years. And I really think that could hurt his stock. But if, if you don't need a tackle, like, if you have maybe a left and a right tackle that are serviceable and you're okay with them, and you want to take a chance on someone to like develop, I think Walker Little could be could be your guy. And I think he potentially could be a top ten tackle in the um uh um uh league. And my player comp is Taylor Decker. It's so hard to comp offensive tackles. Um I really couldn't find like a style that he plays like. So I just I I you know I um uh looked one up and they said Taylor Decker and I started to read about um, about him, and they're about the same coming out, so I chose Taylor Decker. 
it's so hard to comp offensive linemen, but I will tell you that a year ago, if you go and look at way too early mock drafts for this year or whatever, Walker Little was a consistent top five pick. And he has been ever since he came out of high school. He just hasn't played in two years. But I really think if you take a shot on this guy at the end of the first round, second, third, whatever it may be, you're going to get a franchise left or right tackle. Um, Ideal size, ideal speed, very light on his feet, which is extremely important for a tackle. Um, Once again, Nick, you keep stealing my guys, but Walker Little is uh, definitely one of the more underrated prospects in this class that needs to be, you know, whatever team ends up getting him is definitely going to get an A grade from me, uh, no matter where they take him at. Yeah, and I think Walker Little, even though he hasn't played in the last two years, I still think he's put in the time and effort to make sure he's still in great shape, to make sure he can still, uh, you know, get custom to helmets and stuff like that. I definitely think, it, it, you know, he's definitely not – Someone who was just like, oh, yeah, I'll just sit on the couch for two years and eat a bag of nachos and I was going to get drafted. I still think, you know, especially, <laughs> you know, especially playing at Stanford, I think he's smart what enough to – and, and him being at Stanford, oh. he, I, I think he had more than enough resources to make sure he's still in prime shape. And so oh, yeah. I, I really think even if you get him in the second round, I think you still get a really talented player, a solid player in the offensive line. Um Really, if you're Kansas City, this would be a great insurance policy because even though you picked up three great offensive linemen in the last two months, um, this is another guy that you can get just to make sure that, you know, your players aren't drinking that Santa Clara water. So I, I really like Walker Little. I actually grew up being a Stanford fan, so I really would like to see this guy get drafted higher than most people object. Um, I, I'm really impressed by his shuttle drive, by his shuttle time. And uh, if I had to make one comparison, you know, there's only one player that really I think of at the six, seven, six, eight height playing offensive line. And that was Villanueva, who was the uh, longtime offensive tackle for the Steelers before he became a free agent this offseason. But I, which again, he was another great solid player at that height. And he was not a person that had a lot of body fat at all. And when, look, there's even wrinkles on, on Kittle's or Little's, excuse me, 72 jersey. So he just seems like a solid player. I really hope nothing but the best for this guy. Yeah, and a team that I could see him going to is, like, the Rams. They have Andrew Whitworth, but he's getting up there. He's almost 40 now. Like, a team that has a tackle that's good but is old, aging, I think that's a team that is going to take – He's gonna, they're going to take a chance, and they're going to hope that in a year or two, you know, he's going to be that, you know, premier tackle. All right, let's go ahead and move on to – Nick, I guess you're going back-to-back now. Got another <sighs> – Lineman, but on the defensive side of the ball, I think he's uh, Marvin Wilson's actually our only uh, defensive lineman on this whole entire thing. We don't have a single edge rusher, um, so or D tackle after this guy. So, so I chose Marvin Wilson because before this year started, or if he would have came out last year, like he could have, he would have been a first round pick. You know, kind of like Walker Little. And he was good. Like if Walker Little would have played and played good, he probably would have been a first round pick. He's he, Marvin Wilson is about the same. Um, he just kind of fell off this year. Um, he's a D tackle from Florida State, projected round three to seven. I've seen undrafted. I've seen six, five. I've seen everywhere. Um, forty yard dash. I mean, being six three, three hundred pounds with five four six, you can't play too much into that because honestly, D tackles aren't gonna run forty yards to make a tackle. Um, he would have been a first round pick. Injuries ended his season last year early, and he wasn't having a good season anyways. But if you watch his twenty nineteen tape, 
I people said he would have been drafted above Derrick Brown. Like that's how good that he was at one point. Um, he was he's just explosive for his size um, at defending the run, and he has the tools to be a good a good pass rusher. Uh, I don't know about great, like elite, but you never know. I mean, if he gets the right coach, gets the right, the right, you know, help, the right system, he could be great everywhere. And I have Derek Brown just because Derek Brown got drafted high and the Panthers, we don't really hear about him very much, but he actually does a lot for them. He's always making plays. He does a lot of stuff that doesn't show up on the stats. And I really think Marvin Wilson was that type of player at Florida State. And, you know, I think he could come in and he could be a starter. You know, I got to be honest, Nick, when we first, uh, when I first told you guys that we were doing my My Guys, the My Guys uh, podcast, I had no idea who this guy was. I, I had to do a little digging to figure out who he was and find him on people's draft boards. But I, I was impressed because even though he could have came out last year and been a first round pick, he chose, you know, he went back to school and then obviously COVID happened and it's just been a roller coaster of a ride for Marvin Wilson. I think some teams are going to be very happy when they get him in the late rounds. Yeah. And I, I, I haven't done a whole lot of research on this guy either, but just knowing his size and his measurements, I, I can tell that this guy uh, we'll definitely have a chance of having a starting role eventually in the NFL. And really we're seeing a lot of good defensive linemen rather interior or along the edge. A lot of them coming out of the Atlantic coast conference, you know, Miami's got a couple guys that are coming up, uh, you know, Florida state, obviously with Marvin Wilson. So well, I think Marvin Wilson can easily fit into the right system and become an impact defensive player. And uh, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. All right, we have no more defensive linemen. It's kind of wild, actually. <laughs> and uh, let's move on to my number one, my guy. I'm pounding the table for this guy. <laughs> I don't care. Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa. Since day one of this whole process, he has been the ultimate my guy. Oh, man. It's crazy to me that he could actually follow the second round. But the measurements, I don't care about his height or weight. Some people say he's undersized. I say that's BS. Great agility numbers, excellent vertical and broad jump. He didn't run the 40-yard dash, but he's definitely going to – he plays around 4-5, four, 4-4 four, four speed, A-plus in speed. Man coverage, he is great. He played basically slot corner for the Notre Dame defense. I've showed you both the Brett Coleman film breakdown. If you're watching this, go watch the Brett Coleman film breakdown of Jeremiah Wilson Coromilla. It is amazing. Basically what convinced me to make this my guy. He fits any scheme. He can play outside, inside, slot corner, free safety, safety if you need him, to, strong safety, any position. He, he can probably play edge rusher if you needed him to, although I wouldn't do that. You know, if you want to maximize him, I think he plays, he should play outside linebacker in a 4 3 scheme. Um, my comp is Isaiah Simmons, but 2.0. I think he's better than Isaiah Simmons coming out last year. Um, I think. If you draft this guy, you just have to have a plan for him. And I think that's why Isaiah Simmons hasn't really lived up to the hype yet with Arizona is because they just didn't have a plan for him when he came in. Uh, Vance Joseph, um, I'm a Denver Bronco fan, as you guys know, and not the greatest defensive coach in the world, let's just say that. Um, 
he just didn't have a plan for him. And I think if you draft Jeremiah Owosu Koromoa, a.k.a. JOK, a.k.a. the Joker, you just have to have a plan. Some teams, I'd really like to see him end up on the Cleveland Browns. I think that'd be – they need help at linebacker. Be an ideal fit. And they already have what could be an elite secondary. You add him, and you just have an elite coverage unit all around. Yeah, and I feel like the whole linebackers being undersized, um, like that argument's like down the drain now because you have Devin White, De- who's very small. You have Patrick Queen De- too. Uh, Patrick Queen, um, Demarius Leonard from the Colt. They're like all these players are not like these big hefty like linebackers now. They are honestly they're just a little bit bigger, strong you know, strong safeties. Like, that's what these people are. Like, the whole linebacking core nowadays is becoming this athletic, quick, sideline to sideline. You have to be able to cover. And that's the way that it's going, the whole, you know, having a big, beefy linebacker that can only stuff the run is, you know, that's a little old school now. And Jeremiah Owosu kind of fits this, this new style. And... I really do think he almost any team that he goes to would love him. A team I would actually like to see is the Jets with um, Robert with um, uh, Robert mm-hmm. Sala, just because of how he used Fred Warner. I really think he could be a better Fred Warner if he's used be- if he's used right, and I, I that would be really fun to watch. Yeah, I, I, I was watching a lot of film actually with Ryan on Jeremiah Wilson Kormala. And yeah, this guy is the real deal. I mean, he's played everything uh, on tape for Notre Dame. Um, he's primarily played a lot of that either outside linebacker or nickel corner, uh, basically a corner in the slot. Uh, but he can do it all. And we're really starting to see the NFL just evolve and seeing a lot of these players willing to give up their size because they want to have more versatility now. They want to do more things. And, uh, you know, even safeties in the NFL have proven that you don't need a big guy to disrupt the line of scrimmage, to disrupt pass rush. You know, Jamal Adams, he was just a dominant player, despite not being as big as linebacker, you know, even as a safety. So we're really seeing the NFL starting to move towards more hybrid players, especially at the linebacker position. Linebacker number one, I hope I've convinced you guys. Something tells me by the net, by, you know, the way the next few my guys are going to go. I think all three of us disagree on who our linebacker number one is, but that's fine. Um, let's move on to what I can only assume is Nick's linebacker number one, Mr. Micah Parsons. Uh, it, it's hard. I feel like it's more linebacker 1A, 1B, because I think you're kind of getting different styles with both of these, with both of those guys. You know, Micah, Micah Parsons, linebacker out of Penn State, round one and two. I, I don't think he goes out of the round one, but – you know, I could see, I guess, with the behavioral issues that, you know, came out. And I feel like the hype on him is kind of going down a little bit. But, man, a 4.39.40, that's fast. Um, and he's 6.3.245. So he's actually pretty big. Like, he's built. He's not skinny. He's got muscle to him. And he's just a physical freak, always near the ball. If you watch the tape, I mean – it doesn't matter who has the ball, where the ball's at. My, Micah Parsons is there. He's there to make the tackle. If it's 50 yards down the field, it doesn't matter. 
Um, he was a projected top five pick, if not top three pick, before the whole behavioral issues came out, before he, like, opted out. Um, you know, if you go back and they did the way too early mock drafts, like Ryan said before, he was, he was like, top three pick, top five pick in everyone. Um, he did opt out of last year. And the player comp I have is Devin White. And the reason I have it, Devin White, is because the way that the Bucks use Devin White is he's a sideline to sideline linebacker that blitzes a lot. And if you look at Michael Parsons' tape, he blitzes a lot. He has a lot of sacks for a middle linebacker. And I think if he can go to the right team that runs a Todd Bowles type of system that lets him kind of play freely, lets him blitz lets him just be around the ball at all times and make his own choices type of thing I think he could be a very scary sight yeah Michael Parsons he's definitely just one of the best linebackers in this draft class and again he was projected super early you know definitely like a top three four player in this whole entire draft before there was some off the field issues that were raised you know by some uh, reporters but he's still a freak of nature and I think rather he goes into the late first round or the early second round he's definitely going to be a steal for any team that gets him um and he's just so athletic again at 439 speed being still six foot three and 245 pounds he's definitely all you want especially possibly the Mike linebacker position you want a guy who's athletic who's a leader who can just get his nose to the ball on almost every play I struggle with Micah Parsons as a prospect just because he's not the best in coverage. And I prioritize the coverage ability at linebackers. I think it's very important. Um, I like the Devin White comp because there's a second linebacker there in Tampa Bay. Um, his name's Slip It, uh, Levante David. That compliments him. I think Parsons, if he goes to a place where he has other good defensive players around, he could be like the missing piece to an elite defense. If he were to go to New York uh, and play next to Blake Martinez, who also struggles in coverage, but he could, you know, have that veteran presence. If he goes to Washington where he has a great defensive line, um, even like Chicago, I know Chicago has, has good linebackers, but if he goes to Chicago, um, he'd obviously and, and, succeed uh, there. Smith. Yeah. Him and Roquan Smith would be great together. My comp for him is actually Anthony Barr, who plays for Minnesota, a guy that struggles in coverage, but off the edge when he blitzes, uh, up the middle when he blitzes, he's always there, and he's a great run defender. And I think that's what Micah Parsons is going to be year one in the NFL, one of the best run defenders in the NFL. I can live with him not being the best in coverage as long as he works on it and the character issues are not there. But the slip for him to go to round two, I, I really – I think that's why you should have him as one of your guys because some people think he's going to go slip all the way to round two, and I just like, no, no. He, he's one of, if not the best linebacker in this class. Like, what are you guys, crazy? Like, I don't know. It's a, a very weird player to me, uh, but definitely a first-round pick in my eyes. All right, and – no surprise here. Oops, excuse me. No surprise here. Another linebacker. Um, <laughs> probably the most old school linebacker that I've ever seen in my life. And of course, Ashton decides to, to make him one of his guys. 
That's right. I, I, I chose a whole different line packer than you two, but it's okay. It's what makes this show interesting. Uh, so I chose Zayvon Collins, linebacker out of Tulsa. Um, he's definitely projected late first round, early second round as well. Some people project him more or less on the second round side of things, but I definitely think he brings a unique um, uh, balance of size and speed that we haven't really seen in a while because we now ask linebackers to be more of that coverage type of player, as Ryan has stated before. Um, but hit six foot five, 259 pounds. He, he's really borderline Mike linebacker in an old school defense or a defensive end in a modern defense. And I really think yeah. no matter where you put him, he's going to be a solid run support defensive type of player. And I can see teams like Buffalo trying to get him just because they've had issues in the run defense. And he just makes sense as a solid starter, uh, no matter where he gets drafted in either the late first or early second. And again, rare size-speed combo. He has an immediate impact. He actually wasn't even supposed to play defense when he entered the University of Tulsa. He was supposed to play on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but they were dealing with injuries. He ended up playing linebacker, and he just dominated ever since. He, he became an All-American. He became an All-Conference. Um, led, led the team in tackles for a loss. Uh, he had four sacks and four picks last season, and two of them were returned for touchdowns. This is a guy who can do all the right things and all the things that you expect – from a, from a tough run type of defense. Pittsburgh would definitely love to have him. He's just a solid guy somewhere in that late first round, early second round of this draft. Uh, my player comp, I definitely went to a throwback. I don't think the ceiling will be as high, obviously, because the NFL's changed the way they play, but he does remind me a lot of Ray Lewis. Just using that size and speed of just attacking the ball, identifying who has it, whether it's the quarterback or the running back. You know, after two seconds, boom, you're just taking off and finding the guy who has the ball. Uh, uh, could he be better as a coverage player? Obviously, and as being six foot five and two hundred fifty nine pounds, uh, it's gonna draw some concern if you're gonna ask him to be that outside linebacker in a three four or a four three type of scheme. But he, again, I think he's a really valuable asset. I think he'll be an immediate impact on any team, especially those who are hoping just to stop the run uh, as a defensive unit. Zayvon Collins is straight up switches position to edge rusher. And he could end up being edge rusher one in this class. Like he is that much of a physical freak. Um, you said he struggles in coverage. I mean, he did have four picks, right? And you have a, you have that. One of them was two. kind of a ricochet, though. It was it was an awkward. You know, it hit like two players, and it was like, whoo. You know. Okay. So, well, I mean, he's got good eyesight. He's got good reflexes to obviously pick the ball. I'm not saying he's terrible in coverage, but he's definitely just because he's a bigger person. He's not going to be like Jeremiah Owusu, obviously. So I have two comps for him, and one of them is only because if he went to this team in the draft, um, I think that he would play the, basically the same role. Uh, the first one's Fred Warner. I think if at number 23, if the Jets decide to take a chance on him, he would play kind of the same role. You'd have C.J. Mosley, and then you could add Zayvon Collins in there. And then you have one of the best linebacker duos in the NFL. The other one is another throwback. Um to a guy who's not as good as Ray Lewis, but was definitely one of the best linebackers ever, uh, Mr. Brian Erlacher. Um, Erlacher was kind of the same. He's the same mold. He's a he's a bigger, uh, taller, just a bigger dude that you wouldn't think would play linebacker. But obviously, Brian Erlacher, one of the best ever. I think that Zayvon Collins is very comparable uh, size-wise to Brian Erlacher. Yeah, so my comp, not being biased or anything again, 
is kind of like a Bobby Wagner. Yes, um, Bobby Wagner is not as tall, not as big, but Bobby Wagner came in as kind of this old school linebacker. Well, at the time it wasn't old school, but nowadays it kind of is. He he was good in coverage. He's not like elite in coverage, um, but Bobby Wagner, when it comes to just getting to the ball, is amazing. Run like the run game, the run stop, every down linebacker. You know, and I think Zayvon Collins could be that. Or, like Ryan said, with the size, with the speed, if he played the outside linebacker too, you know, he's very – he could play a lot of different places. It just kind of depends what team drafts him and what the defensive coordinator wants to do with him. I mean, I think he could be a 3-4 outside linebacker or a 4-3 outside linebacker. Like, he could play – Pretty much, he's that flexible of a player. I think he can play both. All right, and let's move on to what I think is our final my guy. uh, My guy, Mr. Paulson Adebo, coming out of Stanford, the cornerback. Uh, The measurements are off the chart, guys. 4-4-2, 40-yard dash at 6-1, 200 pounds. So he has that ideal size and length for cornerback. Could also probably play safety with that height. Um he came out this year and he was a preseason All-American. He opted out 2020, obviously. Um, you know he's a smart player and very instinctive because he went to Stanford. Uh, the prototypical size is there, the speed's there, the length. He was one of the team captains at Stanford. My comp is A.J. Bouye, just very, very athletic. He just seems to always be around the ball. He's great in coverage. Paulson Adebo, if he played this year, he would have gone in the first round probably ahead of guys like a Caleb Farley or a Greg Newsome, some of the guys that are, you know, ranked at the third, fourth cornerback. He'd be right up there in the conversation for cornerback one, in my opinion. But once again, opting out, it hurt him. Um, But beforehand, it's kind of the same deal with Walker Little. Beforehand, he was one of these top 15 consensus players. Um I think I don't. I don't think there's a chance he gets drafted in round one, um, but just because of how stacked this cornerback class is, this is one of the best cornerback classes like we've seen in such a long time, and it could end up being one of the best of all time. Um, Paulson Adebo to me is just be such a steal to get in round two because I think he's a first round talent. Um, so yeah, I I, I wanted to go for a little bit of outside the box pick. And Paulson Adebo is a guy I found, and I, I instantly fell in love with. Yeah, and I've actually seen reports of, uh, like, GMs. I mean, they don't say their names or whatever, but GMs actually saying if it comes down to two players and one opted out and one didn't, they would probably choose the guy that didn't. And this whole this whole opting out thing kind of – it actually hurt a lot of players because – it's hard to stay in football shape without playing football. You know, like a lot of these players, when they get hurt and then they come back after a month or two, you know, even though they might be running all day, lifting all day, it doesn't matter. When you get in the game, you know, they're gassed. It's just not the same. And being 6'1", running a 4'4'2 at 200 pounds at corner, that I think a team that – either needs a corner or doesn't really need one, but just for the potential aspect of it, I mean, he could be great. I would love to have him in Seattle if we didn't only have three picks, but uh-huh. I don't, but 
you know, the just his stature, six one. I mean, I think he's gonna be a really good player. I just want to preface one thing, Ashton, before you go. Mm. I would take Paulson Adebo in round one. I just I don't think a team does. Like a team at the tail end of the first round, like the Saints or the Bills, I think would be ideal for him. But I just don't see him going in the first round just because he opted out. Yeah, that and, and uh, you know, with, with Buffalo, I think they're going to just run deep a little bit more. Saints definitely can't because they have a lot of holes after making a lot of budget cuts. Um, but Paul Zanadibo is a solid first-round talent, in my opinion. He probably will fall down to the second round just because, one, he opted out, and two, um, he won't fit a need until the second or third round for another team later on. Uh, but he is a talented player, 4-4-2 speed, 40-yard dash, 6'1", 200 pounds. I think, again, like Little, because he's at Stanford, I think he'll have more than enough resources to make sure he's not in complete out of shape as a, as a football player. I think he'll be just fine. Um, you know, he, he's going to have to put in more effort to prove to the GMs and the head coaches that he can be an impact player day one. If he slides past the third round, um, I'm going to lose my mind. Like, they're, they're, he should not slide past. <laughs> if you want to convert him to safety, I see a lot of um, maybe a little Denver bias, but I see Justin Simmons in his game similar height and speed as a safety. So I think he could play safety as well. I would play him as a boundary corner because having good boundary corners seems like such a rare thing in the NFL. Um, so, yeah, um, I think that will conclude our my guys. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you guys so much for watching our my guys. Um, it's going to be very, very – Interesting to see where all these prospects go come draft night. And I'm very, very excited to react to the draft after the fact. We talked about doing a live draft live stream. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but if it does, uh, make sure you turn on the notifications on YouTube. If you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, or any other podcasting platform, go sub to our YouTube channel, The Stampede Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you guys next time.